Wow. I have so many names, and it's none of those. I don't know what I've... I've been so clear. You know what I mean, Dave? Gaza! Yeah. It's a solid Gaza. Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for coming out. We appreciate it. Um, it's lovely to be here. Short flight um, from New Zealand, and um, just a jaunt. Yeah, you guys really picked it. Why would you live so far away from everybody else? You moved else? far. You guys moved far. What is the point? Why? We're happier here, but you, you just, you moved far. You really... We could be, everyone else is like close not, to each other. They're closer. They're not this far. And What, what the fuck was your problem? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's how we're starting now. Um, berating the city. Uh, no, it is great to be here. Um, did you do anything? Uh, today? Sure. Isn't this where we do small talk? We don't have a guest, so we got to like figure um, out something real quick. I, uh, that's awkward. You're right in the middle, huh? Yeah, it goes. Yeah. It did go oh, through boy. everybody. Excuse oh, me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Pardon Excuse me. Us. Excuse me. Hi. We came late, but we're in the middle, so that got weird. Um, I did, uh, I did, uh, laundry with some Germans. Okay, cool. Maybe I should talk. Um, uh, I walked past one of those uh, birds that attack people, or the, uh, the magpie, right. and it turned to me and started screeching, and I was like, I'm going to lose an eye! Yeah. And now uh, that didn't happen. It just looked at me, and we screamed at each other. Uh, well, as long as you're screaming back, that means you're not crazy. Well, the thing about it, um, I come from bear country, so uh, I know to make myself big when a predator uh, starts looking in the eye. So I made myself big, and I let it know that I was bigger than it. And that fucking magpie. How'd you make yourself down. big? I don't know if you've ever seen the Karate Kid. I don't have to go into the stance, but uh, that's how you make yourself look big. Yeah, that's how you handle a, a magpie situation. Cool. Go ahead and read put that. the arms up. Let yeah. know you have legs. No, I know the stance. At least one it's leg. It's a crane. So it's a crane versus a magpie. Okay, is a crane is bigger than a magpie? In your case, yeah. So what did I do? I made myself bigger than a magpie. Good talk. I mean, we have good talks, and then we have great talks, and this was a good one. That's good to know. You let me know how you handle the threat when it comes at you. A magpie? I've, what people say is you're supposed to look at it. You're supposed to stare right at it. Right in the and then it's eyes. like, nah, too easy, motherfucker. I like a challenge. I'm not falling for this. So I, my plan is right on him. What, what am I looking at? Yeah, right on him. You're going to look at him or you're going to get on him? Uh-huh. It depends where we are in the attack. I mean, I'm going to start looking at them, and if they attack, then I'm going to get on them. <laughs> then I don't know what's next. Stop looking at me. Sorry, I was bored. <laughs> I just started drifting off. <laughs> now I don't want to talk. I've what happened? Why don't you? That was unnecessary. <laughs> um, what do you, anything else? No, I got nothing else. No, I don't know what. I mean, no, I didn't do. I didn't do anything. All right, so <laughs> I guess you're listening to the dollop. Uh, 
right? Now, this is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Once a week, I, magpie fighter, crane, Related to the first one already. Why? Go ahead, Crane. Friend. <laughs> and lawn layer on her. Oh my God, whose lawn are you laying on? Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to a guy. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Let's say you're a guy. Mm. Dave. (laughs) David. And say uh, there's another there's another guy who was uh, he fought in Vietnam. He's a pilot. And say and say that guy uh, just started calling you out for uh, uh, I guess being a pussy during the war. Okay. And not fighting yourself. Um, and the, John McCain? Who are you talking about? I don't know why that. I don't know why that person came because up. Because you're talking about McCain and Donald Trump. No, it's I'm obvious. Not. Yeah, no. you are. And say you're in a fight with a lady in uh, Florida, who's a black woman, and you can't handle her talking. You're talking at, about at Trump. You. You're talking about Donald Trump. No, for sure. Now no. I'm 100%. And you can't handle a black woman talking at you like she's an equal, so you just keep fucking flipping out and losing your mind? Trump. So much so that you tell your chief of staff to go out and talk shit about her? Right. And then he goes out, Donald Trump. Yeah. We've done, we've done this. You've alluded to this. It's not Donald Trump. Okay, so you're this guy. Right, there's a guy. Right, hypothetical man. And so I'm saying maybe you should talk to somebody. Sure. Maybe there's support for you sure. at a place called Talkspace, which right. is an online therapy company. For just a, a small price, a regular therapy, you get your own experience licensed therapist. You right. relate to it. You can say, I don't know why the black lady with the, with the wears the colorful hats is talking at me. Right. The, you can I mean, talk Dave, to a therapist about this. You Dave, can say, she, she Dave, talks I mean, to me like we're There is equals. one person who has this issue. I don't think so. There is. I think this, this is not a syndrome. I think this is a very... Common, probably no, a lot of people. Not, nobody here, no, nobody well, here is in a fight with a mostly, Vietnam. No, I would I, say ninety. I would say one hundred and two percent white people here. One hundred and two percent. So these people all get it. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over three thousand hours of supervised work. To match with the per- perfect therapist, go to talkspace.com/dollop and to show, your, Trump. to show your support for this podcast, use code dollop to get thirty dollars off your first month. That's dollop at talkspace.com/dollop. Right. So, yeah, you're um, sort of jumping the gun on stuff. No. That's just about a guy. Nope. Thank you, sir. One guy really enjoyed uh, what just happened. Yeah. Um, They're not drinking, though. Last time we were here... uh, Oh, they're drinking. People were mad. Oh, Oh, look at them. They're drinking. Everybody was like, no! Fuck yeah! Is that a Foster's? Oh no, it's a Heineken. No, no, I'm sorry. Hey, don't, don't throw anything at anyone. You know what? That got a little weird. We're told you Just, love it. 
If I point out someone who makes a bad beer choice, you don't have to boo them. Okay. We've heard from everybody about Foster's. Do you know who doesn't know people in Austria don't drink Foster's? Nobody. The whole world has gotten the message. You guys are not quiet about it. It's like Foster's invaded your country in the 40s, and you're still mad. Why don't you relax a little bit? It's just a beer. We all have bad beers. They named ours America, because we're fucking stupid. I I think Foster's, at this point, Foster's business model must be ironic gifts. Like, that's it. It's just, you're like, hey, I'm fucking with you. I know you don't like it. There you go. And then everyone laughs and someone's... Ah, imagine! (laughs) To the garbage. (laughs) Who wants a real beer? We all do! What a great joke! A cracker! We'd say... I mean, I feel, I'm starting to feel bad for Foster's. It's just a fucking beer trying to make its way in the world. That's the new business model. Foster's. We're going out of business. Oh. Get one. They're going out of business. We'll give another one to Ted. Another what? Don't worry. Okay. Comfy? I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to... Uh, this was poking at my uh, cool. thigh area. Okay. And Great. Nobody it. asked. And um, we're good. Doesn't hurt anymore. Great. Go ahead and read the date. Right. That's the post that I put on your iPad. Go ahead and read the date. Huh? You want me to read it? Isn't that what you do? Yeah. Give me it. Let's do this shit. <laughs> September twenty seventh, eighteen eighty. Feels good. It's weird. Hearing it like that, I, I just feel like normally it's a tad more masculine. <laughs> but I'll take what happened. Okay. I still forgot the date. <laughs> <laughs> September 27th, 1880. Better. Are you, are you in now? Like, now you remember the date? Yep. Okay. Lewis Hubert Lassiter. Oh, boy. Some people put their hands in their face. A couple of people just started laughing and going, oh, God. Was born in the Victorian uh, country town of... Ah, fuck this. Is that near here? I mean, now I'm trying to do the A's correctly because you guys do your A's like weirdos. Uh, Bagambi. Bagambi. His mother, Agnes, died of sunstroke when he was very young. Jesus. That just means you left a child out. No, she died of sunstroke, not the kid. He's the story. He's who the story's about. That's it, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. No, no, no. This one's about an infant death. Well, we sometimes start with people who aren't the main person. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, we don't kill them off in the second sentence like we give him a little more time to run around oh I'm sorry to be treacherous of these moments Dave 
God. Uh, his father drank heavily and told people that his son was useless. Right. So, yep. Yeah, we've been there. We've both grown up with that, I think. <laughs> if there's more people who have that than not, that's what gets you going, right? Yep. But, uh, he ran away from home at the age of nine. Yeah, was taken I wonder in by why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's not a great house uh, situation. And then apparently this was also, you know, before the 1900s, so you could just run away at nine and people would be like, yeah, come live with us. And everyone's like, no one looks into it or anything. You're just right. gone. Right, sure. Yeah. It's like cats. The yeah, musical. Ch- children used to be like cats. At 15, he and a man robbed a local store. Whoa, whoa, he and a man? Yeah, he found a... What kind of weird pairing? Is this some sort of sling blade action? Um, You know, he found a buddy, a crime buddy. Okay. A grown man with pubes and all that. What? Sorry? Like a fully fully developed (laughs) male human. Sure. Just super... Rocking cock and all that. Sure. Still just hung up on the first... The pubes? Qualifier, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's part of growing up. Okay. You get a uh, pubic hair. Okay. Look forward to it. Lassiter was sentenced to six mon- months. Oh, he stole a... Uh, It'd be he, great oh, he if stole, he was sentenced he's, to six mums. Yeah, so. he, stole, he was sentenced to six mamas. He was... Uh, so he stole the shit, and, he, and they had guns, and his dad, his foster father, or whatever it was, turned him over to the cops. Okay. That's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Lasseter was sentenced to six months hard labor and two years in a boys' reformatory, and he escaped within a year. Okay, good. So that's working pretty well. Uh, in the early 1900s, he traveled uh, to the U.S., married Florence Elizabeth Scott, and became a Mormon. Oh, always a good phase. Anyone who goes to that, that's a good phase. Yeah, everyone, everyone does that. You yep. run away to America, you join a new religion. Yep, for and sure. Then, uh, Go you get to wear the underwear. And the golden plates, yeah. Golden plates. Yep. For the rest of his life, he would spontaneously burst into, a, burst into American religious hymns. <laughs> okay. That's pretty typical Australian right there. With no warning? Yeah, you just fucking kick them off at any time. Right. You, don't, you don't know when they're coming. Right, okay. Yeah. So that's always fun to just, yeah. All right, we're almost done. Oh, boy, he's coming down, he's coming down. The Lord is coming down. The Lord is coming down. And if we get these other two, yeah. then I think we can just move, move the rest, and then we're done. Uh huh. Amen, Lord. Amen. What do you feel like later? Ribs? Did you know? Jesus! Holy is he. When do we get the book of hymns? Because I'm sick of making them up. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, this, Deep. Is, this, is a, this is when we learned that you had no religious background whatsoever. I went to church six times. Yeah, I went like uh, eight. Yep. Yeah. That's all I got. Yep. Uh, but when I, when I was on a summer vacation, my uh, aunt and uncle uh, secretly squirreled me away to church for two weeks. Um, put me in some sort of church play. That was a... Who were you? Weird summer break. <laughs> Who were you? I had to walk out on stage and say, Shalom means love, and then walk away. Like, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is. <laughs> oh, you didn't even get a good part. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. I'm like <laughs> fucking six, and now I'm also in a cult. <laughs> Sorry, I know Perth is very. Because I know you guys love your Jesus or whatever. Whatever thing. Muslims, mostly. Someone just yelled, oh, my God, as if that was the worst insult that they could 
ever hear. And then, what? They're calling us terrorists. So they leased a farm in New South Wales. Uh, he, worked, uh, he, he worked as a reporter. And in 1913, he submitted a design for a single-span arch bridge over Sydney. Did I mention he came back to... Uh, no, but oh, yeah. I just assumed Sorry. he had. Yeah. So he was singing the hymns, and in 1908, he came back to Australia. And he's Pardon. a farm reporter who's just yep, he's on a the farm. Scene. He's a, he's a, back then, uh, a lot of people uh, were farmers slash reporters. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a big... <laughs> yeah, no, those can coexist easily. Yeah. All right, I planted the corn. Now I'm going to rip into some stories, do some <laughs> investigations. In 1913, he submitted a design for a single-span arch bridge over Sydney Harbor. For years, he would claim the bridge engineer stole his idea and owed him six months of work. So he didn't... Wait, that's what he wants back? Yeah. You stole everything from me. I want to work for you for six months. Come on. Come on, don't be an asshole. Yeah, it's not a great... uh... I mean, if you get threatened by that, like, you stole everything from me. Could I work for you just for half a year? I just, I would really love to work beside you. You're a hell of a guy. You got a great design. I don't know where you came up with it, honestly. It just seems unbelievable. At one point, he actually got a job working on the bridge uh, construction, but was fired for arguing about how it should be built. Yeah, I. The, why, why? That's like having your ex like come up with your wedding de- like design. You know what I mean? You're just someone who you don't. I mean, the whole time he's just going to be like, "I'll tell you, I built this shit." Hey, you were told to not say that. Sorry. Yeah, but I, you know, have you seen my drawings? I d- I thought of this. Look at these. But he didn't. Like, he didn't actually do anything. It doesn't matter. if It's just, he's insane, so you don't bring him to the party. Okay. You don't want his notes. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah. During World War I, Lasseter tried three times to enlist in the Army. First, he was rejected. Then he was accepted. Then he was discharged as medically unfit. Then he was accepted again. Then discharged on the same day for being, quote, mentally deficient. Oh, boy. So that's a that's a big day. <laughs> I mean, that's... Why did he get let back in the first time? He must what, have, what did he prove? He he must have lied. There was a lot of lying back then to get into the army. At it, least in America, you just go. Now I'm Bert. And they'd be like, "Were you just in line?" He was Did probably just, just being like, you know, I came up with the army. I was the guy who said a bunch of us should get together and fight should, other uh, people. You want to see my sketches? Huh? I got a bunch of sketches. Check them out. Yeah, a lot of them are, yeah. You guys owe me about six months of army. (laughs) By the way. I don't want to be weird about this. Um, uh, They also, so it went on. Uh, Quote, he has marked hallucinations, wants (laughs) to chime. Wait, wait, that's a great one. Yeah, well, that's that's like serious hallucinations. Okay. They're marked. Uh, Right. Um, Wants to join. They're coming! There they are! Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, He wants to join the Flying Corps as a friend is going to present him with an airplane. Wait, what? I think he was saying that a friend was going to give him an airplane, so he wanted to join the... Trying to put the flying part of the... (laughs) What? That doesn't matter. Army. No, I think to him it did. Yeah, I, I should be a part of this. My I, buddy's got a plane. I think that's part of the hallucination thing they were talking about. <laughs> okay. So he's got a Wonder Woman plane. Yep. Has, uh, he has a peculiar manner and is constantly talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that'll get you kicked out of most places. 
He left his wife and remarried without bothering to get a divorce. We probably have ten of those people on the dollop now yeah, so it happens far. A lot. The people who are just like, I don't have time for paperwork. I love you, Louise. Let's do it. Yeah, well, he's also on the go, man. He's got a lot of shit to do. He's building bridges, making armies. Yeah, he's got fake armies, fake bridges. Who knows if this new wife's even real? Or the first? No one knows. So he split with his new wife, the second one. Sure. And then married a third. Uh, in 1924, also, he didn't, didn't bother getting a divorce. Well, at this point, I mean... So he's married three to three different ladies right now. So he is Mormon. <laughs> Why don't you apologize to the Mormons? Shall I do one of my classic hymns? <laughs> in 1924, he changed his name to Harold Bell Lassiter and settled in <laughs> Sydney and worked in a pottery workshop for limbless ex-soldiers. Oh, uh, there... That is packed with juicy details, David. Um, he changed his name to... He changed his first name. His first name was Louis Hubert, and now he's changed his first names to Harold Bell. Okay. Weird. Followed Kept by... Kept the last one. So now he's working in a pottery workshop for limbless ex-soldiers. Right. Now, when yep. you're working in a pottery workshop... Yep, go ahead. Which seems... Uh, limb important um, and you're working with them mm -hmm. is it just like a ghost situation well depending Where on the limb you're just sort of behind just sort of like there you yeah. go that's fun isn't it don't get hard don't get hard do not get, I told you not he got hard he got hard stand up stand up he's hard I know one limb that's working that's exactly what it's like okay Continue. Um, he's always struggling with debts. Lasseter was constantly writing to government officials with, with suggestions and proposals. <laughs> oh, no. That's how you get on lists. Yeah. <laughs> During uh, World War I, he wrote to the Minister for Defense with a proposal to overcome the stalemate in Gallipoli. You see, my buddy has a plane. <laughs> I think this could be a game changer for all of us. Objection. Only I can see the plane. Shh. Follow me underwater. Um, rejection did not stop him. Finally, a frustrated official wrote, quote, It would appear that you are unable to reconcile yourself with the non-acceptance of your suggestion. <laughs> uh, this is regretted, but the officers who advise are not without experience in these matters. <laughs> None of his ideas were taken seriously, letter after letter, until October 1929, when he wrote a letter to federal labor MP Albert Texas Green. Oh, boy. How do you get... I should have looked up Texas. Yeah. What? Any... He just... Does he embody Maybe he was Texas? from there? Anybody know? Is he from there? He was. All right. Fair I enough. Don't think, I, don't, I don't think that guy knew that. I don't think he's being honest. I think if you listen back to his yep, he felt bad for the fact that nobody knew. It was not like... It was followed by nothing. Yeah. He thought other people were going to say shit, too. He'd be drowned out by no's, or there'd be a bunch of yes, and then he could be like, yeah, 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 come on, obviously. Anyway, if you're listening, you can look that up on your home. That's homework. You can go. Yep. Maybe someone will email us while we're doing the podcast. And we can oh, that'd out. be great. Please more of that. 
Fill in the gaps. Dear sir, for the past 18 years, I have known of a vast gold-bearing reef in Central Australia, but it is absolutely useless without water. Uh, so taking over 14 miles of reef shows values of three ounces to the ton. There is no doubt that five million pounds capital can be found in England to work this mine where the water uh, difficulty can be overcome. Okay, now I feel bad because this is just, he's just crazy, right? No. Mm. Where, did he, has he visited this area? Well, why don't you listen to the story? He suggested piping in water and explained uh, he could get it done for under 2,000 pounds. Wait. This, so this to, is get, like, to get the gold out, they got to pipe in water. This totally so is a spam he email. Pipe in water to the middle of Australia. Just needs like two two thousand. What is the plan? The plan yeah, is pipe, like a pipe, pipe water into or a hose. Probably a pretty sweet hose. Sure, work. and pipe it in, and then gold appears. Well, no, they, no. There's gold there. You just you need water to get it out of the ground. You can't just hit it with. You a can't pick. hit it. You have to water it. Got to water that shit. So this is gold that you have to water. We got to water. If you're gonna get into the ground, you got to have some sort of water situation. So happening. you need right. Okay. So there's right. So there's all that gold, and all you need is water. Because his buddy has a plane. He didn't, there's no plan. He, he understands that there's gold there. Because of just an intuition? No. We get, why don't you fucking hang on? We're gonna, but how does he already know? Okay. We're going to get there. All right. You don't need to be so mean. Well, why are you... Because why you... I ask questions. Because I want to know what the fuck is going when on. When did you start asking questions? I'm curious. I want to know. How does this guy know? We'll get there. Okay. You're right? Yeah, I just want to know what the fuck he's talking about. It was rare, but people did stumble into massive gold finds. Okay. But most of all, the Great Depression had just hit. If true, all this gold could create tons of jobs and make people rich. So the MP sought a second opinion from uh, a metallurgist and industrialist with a reputation in the mining industry. He did not recommend the government fund the expedition, but thought it was worth looking into. You mean Project Water Gold? Yeah. Right, okay. He red flagged it? Okay. The report eventually made it into the hands of the prime minister, who was totally down. Oh, boy. <laughs> no. And into the hands... I feel like we're going to be watering for gold in America in, like, four years. Oh, that's what we've been doing, I'm pretty sure. We just blow mountains up and go, all right, grab the gold. <laughs> Wish I was kidding. So into the hands... <laughs> and into the hands of Australia's uh, workers' union president, who was also totally into this and also super corrupt. You okay. can imagine a union president being corrupt. Close your eyes, try to imagine. In March 1930, Lassiter went to the AWU's Sydney office to meet the president. Lassiter was now almost 50. He was bald, short, and stocky with a flat, chubby face. Whoa, whoa, how's that? What? Yeah. Uh, so he's just... Bald, short, stocky with a flat, chubby face. Okay. I like the sound of this character. So he's hot. How Lassiter, do you get a flat face? How does your face flat? I think you just don't have a lot of things sticking out, like a nose. They just stop? 
Just the weight becomes too much that it just starts drooping on you like a melting Dolly cartoon? Yeah, and I think your forehead's probably in a bit, so it's even with your... I, I would just... I've never, I've never in my life if I, would I be like, you know, the guy with the flat face. Yeah, him. I've seen flat face people. You know flat facers? Fuck yeah, I know flat face motherfuckers. Man, I gotta, you gotta hook me up. I wanna meet a couple FFs. We could be BFFs. Well, we'd be BFFFFFs. Big fucking flat face fucks. <laughs> it's not what the necklaces will mean. Negative Nancy. So, uh, Lasseter goes in the room and explains to a group of men uh, that 30 years earlier, he had decided to give the gold fields in Western Australia a go. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, sure. uh, he struck out... Uh, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who sits on something for 30 years. Well, we'll see what happened. Now, he struck out from the uh, coast, uh, the other coast, uh, Queensland, uh, which is across the continent of Australia, and at that time, a walk that had never been done, and maybe still uh, not a walk that's been done. Uh, He got lost, as happens when you try to cross a continent. And uh, his rations were running out, his horse died, and that is when he found the reef. Oh, boy. So he found golden plates? A massive outcrop. Quote, glistening with gold, as thick as plums in a pudding. So this person just became animated to me. This feels like cartoon mirage stuff. That might be the real deal. How do you know? Well, I can't ask questions, so this it's hard to know. The, this could be the story of the greatest gold find in Australian history and what happened to those uh, lucky gentlemen. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. Twelve? Oh, no. Oh, no. I know what's happening. We're about to get a posse, huh? It's 12 feet wide <laughs> and more than seven miles long. So that's All a gold? lot of fucking gold. Yeah. All gold. All gold. And you just need to get a sprinkler on it for an afternoon. Yeah, you just go ahead and Little wet leprechauns that, pop up down. and they're just farting gold nuggets and then everything's fine. If you hose it off, it's just, all sure. the other stuff falls away and sure. then you have gold. It's just like tomatoes. Exactly. It'll be easy. Uh, so uh, he filled an oatmeal bag with gold. Okay, sure. Uh, started back, ran out of food and water, but was rescued by an Afghan camelier, oh. which was pretty common as you guys know, uh, in Western Australia. Yeah, they're the paramedics. He went back with a surveyor three years later, following landmarks to get there, and he found the reef again. Basically looking for horse bones. Yeah. And when they returned, they found that uh, their watches, so they go, they find the reef, they turn around to come back to, like, you know, get the, get the exact coordinates. But then um, they're coming back, and they realize that their watches were, quote, an hour and 15 minutes off, which meant the bearings used to cal- calculate the reef's location were wrong. Okay. So that's a, that's a problem. Okay. Well, tough. <laughs> and they, they tried to find investors, but no one wanted in. And eventually the two men drifted apart, and the other guy died. Do you mean drifted apart in life or on this journey? No, no, in life. So they came okay. back and they told people about it, and everyone's like, "Oh no, if you don't oh, have the and coordinates." The, and the person who could corroborate, yeah, he, say, he, he passed away. He passed away from uh, gunshot. Gunshots, right? <laughs> now the men in the AWU office are totally sold. Okay. This is fucking amazing. I mean, he's got a flat face, a good story. 
Let's get into business with this guy. One guy did some math and there uh, realized there could be 66 million pounds worth of gold. <laughs> so it's okay. a lot of fucking Yeah, gold. It, no, for sure. It sounds pretty great. Errol when real. Coot. Who? Errol Coot. Errol Coot? Mm-hmm. All right. He, he was a ro- he was a reporter and an amateur pilot. Also a reporter? Yep. <laughs> wow. So much in common. Um, he volunteered to be the expedition's aviator. So he's like, I'll fly this shit. My buddy has a plane. So this will be oh. great. Yeah. Only I could see it. So someone checked with the Department of Mines and learned that a reef known as Harding's Reef had happened in the same area. Harding just happened to be the name of his friend who died. Mm, okay. Yeah. That? So maybe it's maybe there's something going on here. I mean, sure. Water gold project. This gave Lassiter some credibility. Okay. Why? Just because there's a guy with the same name. That, and is that it? As the reef. So it's like an You're omen? You're acting like that's not a big deal. That seems some, like quite a march just off of that coincidence. It's got the same name as the guy he knew. It's quite a coincidence, Dave. It's just that lives might be on the line. The AWU president started making plans to establish an exploration company. He reached out to Fred Blakely. Fred had grown up in Broken Hill. <laughs> I don't know. I Great have no place. idea what that means or why I put it in there. Occasionally, uh, he worked at a slaughterhouse where he was paid in cuts of meat. Mm, that's always, yeah, that's great. The late 1900s were awesome. One for the customer, one for the doctor. Uh, quote, a sheep's head, a half a dozen tongues, perhaps a liver. Blood ah. was my weakness. What was his weakness? Blood. <laughs> Is this a guy you want with you on a potentially starving journey? You know what I like are heads and blood. Anyway, when the going gets tough, we'll figure her out. Uh, after working with all the meat, Fred got into mining at the age of 14, which is the right age to start. For sure. Get down there. Um, Nature's he, canary. Yep. <laughs> the 14-year-old's down. Everybody out. Keep the canary out. The kid's dead. We just saved a little birdie, didn't we? Didn't we? You're going to be okay. He's going to be fine. My son's dead, but you're fine. Uh, Fred met with Lassiter and uh, started to notice some discrepancies in his story, hmm, if you can really? imagine. Issues? Well, small details would change, and there were gaps that didn't really make sense to sure. Fred. Sure. And whenever Fred questioned it, Lassiter would, re- would reply, quote, if I told you that, you'd know as much as I do, and you wouldn't <laughs> want me. <laughs> the best cover. That's the best. How can I tell you? You won't need me if I tell you. <laughs> That's... So I'd buy that. I'd be like, yeah, well, shit, he's right. All right, let's keep following him. So Fred was suspicious of Lassiter's story, but he thought it was worth investigating, and he agreed to lead the expedition. The UWA president set up a meeting with a Sydney businessman who Lassiter told the story to. Charles Ohm was a famous aviator, and he questioned the watch story and said with adjustments, they would, that would just put the reef in the middle of the Indian Ocean. <laughs> Shut up, asshole. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's not true. Trust me. It's for sure there. It's got the same name as my buddy who died. I mean, what, do you, what more do you need? You water it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. 
Yeah, it's a whole, I mean, why, this, next time we have lunch, don't bring an asshole. <laughs> Just, I mean, <laughs> pretty obvious. <laughs> Let's get out of here, <laughs> okay? My buddy's got a plane. Lasseter said he could find the reef by landmarks, so the, uh, the adjustments didn't matter, the whole... Quote, if you had seen the country under the conditions I did, you would never forget those landmarks. <laughs> this is like Trump when he talks about sources. It's just like, you don't, there's nothing, but you're just like, someone said it. You're like, okay, well, I mean, shit, he seems confident. <laughs> Gotta know something I don't. The investors roared their approval and Ulm backed down. He said he wouldn't invest, but he'd be happy to provide advice on aerial surveying. And everyone in the room applauded. Quote, simpler times. Well, I think that was rousing, everybody. Good work. All right. Off our separate ways we go. Quote, the room buzzed in the pause and proceedings. Everyone was talking gold. Eyes were bright. Lips were being licked. Workaday cares were forgotten. Everyone was gazing through the pearly gates of prosperity. And each man was treading along the streets of gold. Well, Sounds like they're all going to have chapped lips after this celebration. Uh, gold. Nah, gold, gold, gold. My name. Nah, nah. Nah, nah. Let's take it to the streets. Shares. Shares in the new company sold out in just 48 hours. Oh, boy. So there's excitement in the air. Uh-oh. The, Austra- uh, the Central Australian Gold Exploration Company was in business. <laughs> Somehow. A former Royal Air Force pilot, Charles Lexi- Lexius Burlington, was brought on. Well, he was well, an well. experienced mechanic and had worked in gold mining. Through his connections with the British truck manufacturer Thornycroft. They're great. What ha- Thornycroft? They're awesome. Someone's really having a good time up there. <laughs> Uh, he got an expensive six-wheeled, heavy-duty, military-grade truck designed for Middle Eastern deserts. Jesus. Yeah. He's not, they're not fucking around. Okay. They're going for gold. Yeah, until they get to the end, then they're fucking around. Then they have gold, don't they? Sure, yeah, if they have enough water to make it grow. <laughs> Fuck they're talking about. He couldn't, he couldn't, he tried so hard to hold that in. And he thought I was going to get a bigger reaction. Brilliant. And it finally came out of him, and it, it, didn't, it didn't go as well as he thought it would. <laughs> Errol Coote, who wanted to be the pilot, immediately hated Charles Lexius Burlington. Well, the name's a problem right off the bat. It's pretty Lexius Burlington? Yeah. Charles, what's his name? Charles Lexius, Lexius Burlington. Burling- yeah, that's fancy. Plus, Coot wants to be the pilot, and now this guy's an actual pilot. Yeah, you know, and this guy trouble. knows stuff. So automatically, you're like, I don't like him. Seems smart, three-word name. He's got prick written all over him. He's the first one we eat when shit goes south. What? Yeah. Come on. No. Give it to me. Get away from me. We'll eat him first. No, there's no eating of anyone. I don't want to eat anyone either. But if push comes don't to shove, me. when we get out there... Dangerous choices might have to get made. Get away from me. I'm just saying, that's the one we go for. 
I'm not being weird. You're just oh, acting you are being weird. weird. You're going way too quick to people eating. My God, I said if. <laughs> okay, we'll figure it out when it's time to eat someone. Whatever. Wow. Okay, that's actually a good time to do it. Great. We'll have a rose ceremony. It'll be a whole thing. We'll figure it out. <laughs> However you want to do it when we get there. Just saying old fancy pants probably has got some good meat on the bone. But Coot had let his pilot license lapse. So he, he had to try to get that fixed. Then out of nowhere, Lassiter announced that he would withdraw from the expedition if Charles went along. So Charles was kicked out. Okay. But they still had the Thornycroft truck. Oh, God. Wait, now they just have a toy? No, they got the actual truck. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. But now they don't have anyone competent, really. Oh, I don't think that'll be a problem. <laughs> like, Fancy Pants was the one person I think it would be like, no, not like that, like this. No. Now they're just going to be like, woo! I can't see that. I got beer all over the controls again. Fuck it, we'll figure it out when we get there, man. <laughs> woo! I'm not seeing that as an issue. A team of six men was... Let's fine. jump it! That's the catchphrase. Let's jump it, then! A team of six men was finalized. Fred would be the leader. Lassiter would be the official guide. Coot was the pilot. Philip Taylor, a young Englishman, was the mechanic. Mm-hmm. George Sutherland was an experienced prospector. And then there was Captain Charles Blakington Houston. Who had the water. A distinguished British soldier. Okay. The expedition would have air support, a military-grade desert vehicle, and a portable wireless transmitter enabling real-time communication with the businessmen in Sydney. That's still how Wi-Fi works here. I think. What happened? What happened? You know, we're doing other stuff around the world with the internet. Uh, We have, like, a functioning situation out there. Um... How long would you like your file upload to take? 30 days? Oh, we can do that. We're Australia. At least you have healthcare. Congratulations for yelling that out. It's better. To someone who can't get healthcare. Don't think that we're not saying that this is a superior country. But your Wi-Fi is not great. Yeah, we're just, I think that's fair. We're just talking about Wi-Fi, not ha-ha, everybody's dying. Yeah. We, don't, we know that we're going to die in a nuclear fire, but at least all of our shit will be downloaded. <laughs> uh, a temporary airfield uh, about 140 miles west of Alex Springs would be their camp. Okay. The UWA president wanted insurance in case Lassiter died. Oh, that's interesting. So he convinced Lassiter to leave a sealed envelope in a bank. Inside was a note with coordinates of the reef written in invisible ink. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Yeah, just get the old invisible ink out. Is that... Go ahead and write that down. Slip it in the envelope. And Why then, do you even need the if envelope? You, if you die, they take out Why do you your, need this bank? You can't just... It's, it's, invisible just give it ink, to the guy. Invisible ink degrades. 
And how does it over time? In, in sorry, just less, so I know the rules of Hogwarts. How does become, the magical ink work? It's made of invisible. How does one get it to appear? Oh. Oh no. No, I don't know. No, uh, I don't know. There's no. I don't think there's actually a solution to that one. Right. No, but I think uh, I would imagine invisible ink is some sort of chemical, and then you pour another chemical on it, and then you can see it. Sure. I'd imagine, too. I'd imagine a reef where gold lives. Imagine all the bullshit. Hmm? Don't start with me in the invisible ink. Uh, so... When they arrived at Alice Springs, Fred uh, brought out Ernest Allchurch. Allchurch had a vast knowledge of the region. Okay. Fred knew him and introduced Allchurch to Lassiter, who suddenly started babbling and discussing the last time he'd passed through and the buildings he recognized. (laughs) He's just fucking... He gets nervous and he gets chatty. Oh, yeah, I know all that place, too. That's my favorite spot. I love it there. No, I'm not talking about there. Me either. No, I know. I know what you're talking about, though, and I'm saying there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why do you keep bringing these assholes around? Know-it-alls. Lassiter pointed out the general store and uh, recalled buying supplies there 30 years earlier. All church said he was wrong. The buildings were only 25 years old. So at what point are people going like, "Mm, this guy's full of shit? Lassiter said he picked up uh, fresh supplies from the telegraph station, and all church said he had been there for 40 years, and never once had he issued stores to anyone. (laughs) Fred then pulled Lassiter away and scolded him, scolded him for talking nonsense to Allchurch. <laughs> he thought he was just bragging to Allchurch and not... Th- that he was... Th- he thought he was lying? He, no, he thinks that Lassiter is lying, but he thinks he's just talking bullshit to try and seem like cool in front of Allchurch. Right, and not the fact that he knows nothing. Huh? Yeah. So... That he's the man who has access to invisible ink. That's real. The locals warned that the Thornycroft truck would not make it 100 miles in the desert and said they'd be better off with camels. They figured the locals did not understand. After all, this wasn't a regular truck. It was a state-of-the-art piece of British engineering. This is just like when a civilian breaks into the Batmobile. That's what I'm expecting to start happening here. Explain. (laughs) They're just going to be like, what the fuck is this? Like I said, the catchphrase will be jump it. So the the truck's too complicated is what you're saying. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. They took the thorny crop. Well, a lot of these guys do know what they're doing. They're experts. But not the people in, at the helm who the seem to one, be disagreeable types. No, the one guy is not. Lassiter. Lassiter, yeah, everyone, Lassiter else is seem- an, everyone else is an expert. Okay. Like literal expert. That's still a problem, though. Why? It's fine. Because that's the guy in charge. Uh, We're experiencing something similar in certain areas of so, the world. Well, so the only guy, so he's not in charge, he's in charge he's chief. of, he's, he's the guy who's going to take him there, but he's not in charge of the expedition. Like another guy right. is officially in charge. Sure. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, so, um, so they think it won't make it 100 miles. They tell him to use camels. Then they took the Thornycroft out for a few test drives and found it used a shitload of petrol to run. So now they had to buy a second vehicle to carry fuel for the Thornycroft. <laughs> so what's the point? That what's is an interesting point? question. That is a very interesting question. Well, this thing can't make it. Oh, well, shit, we can. <sighs> Boy, we're fucking idiots, huh? I don't know what to, uh, how we handle this. 
So they hired a local guy, Fred Coulson, who owned a truck to join the team and drive the gas behind the Thornycroft. crop. But it's a good idea. the whole advantage? Uh, whatever. Go ahead. No, but the whole, the whole, the advantage is that they have something that's badass. So now they're like, and we'll have a truck following us. Right. It's not a good plan. Right. But it's a plan. Thank you. Coot was mad. Another guy joined because uh, it would split the gold seven ways. Coot Coot and Fred were always fighting. Fred thought Coot was a clueless city dandy with a hothead. Quote, he wore boots like girls wear to ride in at shows. He did not possess the right temperament for such a trip. What? So he's saying that he's got like fancy boots that you wear to just show off and not actual functioning boots. Okay. So he's got They look hot and he kind of wants to fuck them. All right. That might be what was at the root. Take off those fancy lady boots. Come on. You don't look professional. You sexy so-and-so. Well, you're parading around all the time. I know what you're doing. Do a spin. <laughs> spin around. Go ahead. Let me see that shit, Coot. Coot thought, Fred was, uh, Coot thought Fred was a weak, ineffectual leader who was stuck in the past and didn't understand the value of modern technology. Coot then secretly started sending telegrams to the company directors in Sydney, criticizing Fred's leadership and accusing him of plotting to double-cross the company. (laughs) So he's a bot. A bot. Bot? He's a bot. He's just like some random Twitter problem. He's just like, somebody somebody said this. He's he's undermining him. Right. I'm aware. That's what my point was. I guess I was confused what a bot meant. Okay. You're saying like a Russian bot? Yeah. A pr- yeah. What do they do? Well, he's just, he's like anonymously, he's an anonymous source. Oh, anonymous source. Well, yeah, yeah okay. That's the point. But gotcha. Feels like the iron's cold. They set out on July 24th, 1930. As they crossed a dry riverbed near the post office, Taylor lost control of the Thornycroft, and it got stuck up to its axles in soft sand. Okay, well, at least they have the gas truck. So they're not out of the town yet. Right, and they've... Right. They're just in front of the post office. Sure. And the Thornycroft is stuck. Sure. But it's good to get these kinks out early. Oh, for and sure. in front of the post office, where yeah. surely they're going to be helpful. Yeah. The entire t- town then came out to watch as the team, str- team struggled for an hour to push the truck free. Okay. So at this, is anybody on the team at this point like, okay, maybe this is not a good idea? I don't think so. I mean, they must have been, but there's no indication of it. Okay. <laughs> you would think at so this So literally point, an hour into the journey... Not even an hour. Half hour into the journey? No, like two minutes. Two minutes into the journey? They didn't get out of the town. It's not even, the journey hasn't even started. So they literally just started in the town. It's like they drove into the garage and fucking crashed the car. Like, it's just... The first night, Lassiter locked himself in the truck's cabin. He slept on the bench seat, clutching a gun and box of ammunition while everyone slept outside. So, did any... Is anybody worried... No, it seems normal. Seems like a guy who spent a lot of time in the bush. Yeah, sure. So that's just how he likes to rest. All right, well, I'm going to go coddle a gun in the front cab of the truck. Have a good night, gentlemen. It's my white noise. It really, God, it relaxes me. I just... Um, The next day, they stopped at the camp to hire a local Aboriginal guide, but all the guides were uh, out, except Mickey. 
Except who? Mickey. Mickey was 45 and almost blind with trachoma. Get him on board! We need a blind guy! He was also totally unfamiliar with the land they were traveling to. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. You can't see shit. So they hired him. Yeah. If anything, his senses are heightened. We may as well call this one Maps. He's probably got sonar. He's Mickey, the adorable blind tour guide. Who's never been there. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So it was slow going. The thorny croft kept getting, getting bogged down in the sand and caught in dense scrub. Its tires were being shredded by sharp mulga roots. Oh, man. Those fucking mulga roots. Where man. aren't they? I mean, I can't Where tell you how many they? trucks I've lost out there. Surely oh. Mickey's helpful in these times of oh, yeah. problems. Uh... All right, let me know where it is and I'll do what I can, Mickey. Mickey's just out there. I don't know where I am! I think we're close. We haven't left the town, idiot. Oh. What? It's like blackout, right? It's black? It's I like think... totally midnight with no, no moon? No, it's like noon. We need to move this way into Fred's chest. Yep, right over here. That's where we got to go, guys. Trust Mickey. Oh, my God, I'm talking to a tree. I am so sorry. I had no... Where's the group? Is the group here? Is the group even here? Group? Well, yeah. they need no, me. No, we're standing right here. Oh, hey, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to hey, say they need me under my breath. There you are. Hey, all right. I think it's there. Have we left the town? You're pointing pointing at the town. I'm old and tired. All right, Mickey needs a kippy. I am just, oof, all this searching. (laughs) After a few days, Lassiter was recognizing landmarks. Okay. That's a good sign. That is a great sign. One day he pointed out a cave saying he remembered camping there. Oh, yeah. I used to camp in that one. Unfortunately, the cave was 600 feet up a sheer granite cliff. I mean, it's possible. Yep. It's totally possible. Later, he patted the trunks of two bean trees, claiming he hung his hammock between them over 30 years before. Oh, yeah. These are the bean trees. I'll never forget these two trees. Uh, They only live up to 20 years. Well, they have their father's eyes. I'm 100% these are them. When Fred pointed out the problems with his story, Lassiter flipped out and screamed at him, quote, You think you know everything! (laughs) That's a good sign, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, he seems like a competent leader. Fred asked Lassiter to tell him one landmark that was ahead of them, and Lassiter refused to answer. No! And went and got in the Thornycroft and sulked. No. No. I'm locking myself in, too. Hope you're happy. No Mi- more landmarks for you. Hmm. Hmm. Mickey's the only one who knows what I'm talking about. Mickey, these are the same bean trees, aren't they? Why is it black? Oh, God. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to... It's gonna... like midnight all the shut time. Shut up, Mickey. Shut your mouth. Five days of darkness, though? These are the... Uh, 
Um, one day, the party set up camp. Fred decided it was a good time to use the portable wireless to transmit his first report to Sydney. Oh, God. Now, fortunately, Lasseter had taken a three-week wireless training course on how to use it before oh, they left. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> he also packed up all the equipment. Uh-huh. So when they unpacked it, they learned Lasseter had forgotten to pack the microphone. Hmm. Well, Dave, is that important? Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, it turns out if you don't have a microphone, you can't talk to anybody, but right. you can hear them. Right. So... That, see, that might be a problem. Another red flag, perhaps? Yep. Okay. Uh, several... Can Mickey be of some service, potentially? What's that? Mickey help? No, Mickey uh, is just terrified running in circles. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Lasseter had uh, left out several glass valves from the wireless transmitter that were needed. Well, I mean, that does, I mean, at that point, you're just nitpicking. I mean, he forgot the microphone. Let the guy go already. I don't need to go on and on about these bulbs. And then when Lasseter started connecting wires to terminals, the entire thing short-circuited. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, what? boy. Yeah. I got a good feeling. Yep. Taylor and Coot exploded at Lasseter. Fred had to step in to split them up from fighting. How, how far away are they from the original destination at this point? Well, nobody knows. Right, but I mean, like, are they in the... Are they, they have no idea where the fuck No, they no are. one knows except for Lasseter. Who knows nothing? No, he knows. He's been there. Right. But in the world where he doesn't know, nobody else has any idea where the fuck they are right. at all. He's the only guy, except for Mickey, who's a guide. Right. Mickey, who's the blind guide. Okay. Okay. Um, Coot said he thought Lasseter was playing them. Was playing? Playing them. Okay. Lasseter was starting to irritate the group by making strange... Well, he got them all killed. Improbable boasts. Such as... One night, he uh, recited a uh, Rudyard Kipling poem, then claimed that he had been responsible for making Kipling famous. Oh, boy, God. At that point, you're just like, wait, did he just say he made Kipling famous? We're going to die. We're going to die. You know, I'm the one who told them to get into that. He was a drummer when I met him. I said, Kip, babe, nah, not your thing. Get a pen in your hand. Give that a whirl. Next thing you know, bada boom, bam, here he is. Anyway, we're going to be fine once I get this microphone situation worked on. Quote. Well, he said he was a famous radio operator. Quote, I specialized on Kipling over the radio, and it went down very well. Wait. Even very patient Charles lost his shit one night and started screaming at Lasseter, quote, Go away, you annoy me! <laughs> and that is, he does just sound like the most annoying person. Like, it's one thing if he's totally lied and fucked everything up, but he's also the worst. Charles stormed over to Coot and said, quote, The man's a lunatic. He claims to have designed the Harbor Bridge. <laughs> well, but, but they knew this. I don't think they knew that. Oh, they didn't? Oh, so now they're like, wait, what? Yeah, he said he designed that bridge. Oh, God. 
As the party neared the airstrip camp, uh, the second truck broke down. Oh, that'll be fine. Uh, the, uh, the men fashioned a sort of battering ram from a mulga tree and tied it to the front of the Thornycroft and tried to bulldoze the scrub. Okay. For a while it worked, but the Thornycroft took serious damage and was now almost undrivable. So, not good? Mickey, the Aboriginal guide, became uneasy. <laughs> Well, if Mickey's losing his cool at the situation, you've got to be going crazy. I don't know. I think we're fucked. Mickey, what did you... You can't see anything. What do you mean we're fucked? It smells really bad. He said it smells bad. I got a bad feeling. Oh, my God. I can't see it, but I don't like it. Mickey, you're a rock. Lassiter continued sleeping every night locked in the truck's cab with the rifle and ammunition. Because, of course, he's the only one who knew it was terrible from the get. So he's like, I'm sleeping like a goddamn baby. Their progress got even worse when the Thornycroft's engine caught on fire. Okay, so what... What can they use to leave now? Well, they, they... I mean, they put it out. I think it's still functioning, but it's not great. Yeah. After two weeks, they reached the camp location. Fred then sent Coot and Colson to drive back 100 miles uh, to a plane at an airstrip. Fred was planning their big push west. But Lassiter was still the only one who knew where they would be heading, and he wouldn't tell anyone Ugh. anything. He just kept messing with the wireless. The next day, <laughs> Fred... There. The next day, Fred discovered Lassiter was tapping the SOS signal into the wireless. Oh, which was pointless because the wireless was dead. But he's still... That is a trail he did not need to leave. Fred was furious. He threatened to destroy the wireless with an axe unless Lassiter packed it up. <laughs> Coulson returned and told everyone uh, that uh, Coot, whose amateur pilot license was lapsed, clipped a tree taking off, causing the plane to crash nose first into the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, this is is the spider webbing. (laughs) This is the bad hiring. Could survive. The tree's fault. Came out of nowhere. Could survive, but had a serious thigh wound. He had to be rushed back to Alice Springs to get medical attention. Uh, Fred, was it Fred that learned? Uh, Hold on. Uh, he learned the company's directors in Sydney were concerned. Uh, so this is Coot. Coot found out the company's directors in Sydney were concerned word was out, and they would be beaten to the reef by other prospectors. Oh well, that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> Good lord! If only they knew, right? No, you're going to be fine. No, no, don't worry. Fred sent Colson back with his report and a request for camels. <laughs> well, that's an interesting turnaround. So now there's, it says five. So there's five remaining expedition numbers. Fred, Sutherland, Mickey, Taylor, and Lassiter. Okay. Uh, one night, Lassiter invited Fred into the Thornycroft's co- cabin. I'd like to see you in the captain's quarters, please. Lock the door. How are you? Hi, Fred. I feel like we should talk about some stuff. Quote, by my calculations, we are apo- approaching my country. So... Somebody owes me a thank you. 
He said the reef was 100 miles ahead, and he would be able to recognize landmarks soon. What must be going on inside of his head right now? Like, it's all, like, the bridge is finally getting built, and he needs to actually do it. He's a hundred, he's right there. They're almost there. So what is he, what is going through the mind of a man? Fred or Lassiter? Lassiter. Like, what is going through his head now that he's, like, close to his bullshit mind? Like, he's got to be like, this is going to be tough when we get there to explain it. I don't know why you're assuming. It was here. Boy, this is the bean tree all over again, I tell you. (laughs) I don't know why you're assuming this is bullshit. Oh, 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 I'm skeptical. Then Lassiter abruptly changed the topic, opened his diary, and began to read aloud an entry he had written about Fred. (laughs) So he's just a huge asshole. He's not just crazy, he's also a huge asshole. The entry was very harsh. (laughs) He then flipped the page and read another later entry about how he had judged Fred too harshly. What a weirdo. Fred just sat there (laughs) while Lassiter read entry after entry about all the members of the party. What? And saying that he was not being given enough enough say. Uh, (laughs) The next day, they kept moving through the desert. Well, with more tension. Then Lassiter announced they would soon be entering fine mineral-bearing country. And sure enough, the landscape changed. Mm. Sutherland began noticing quartz and ironstone in abundance. Mm. The party grew very optimistic. For the first time since Sydney, they started seriously discussing mining. At a uh, uh, mountain summit, Lassiter started scribbling complicated calculations, and then he declared, quote, well, I'm damned if these figures are not the same bearings as those we left in the vault back in Sydney. Ah, the invisible ink paper. So it matches the thing that nobody can see. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. He told Fred they would have to go 150 miles south in order for him to get his bearings. (laughs) Now, everyone in the party knew there was no gold that far south. There was just no, everyone knows there's no gold there. Lassiter then admitted he had been misleading them. Oh, my God. But only... Ah, damn it. Because he was suspicious of one member of the party. Oh, my God. He's reservoir-dogging them. Oh, that almost came out. He asked Fred to trust him (laughs) (laughs) a little bit longer. Okay. So he was just like, he's like, one of these guys is not... He said this just to Fred? Yeah, I believe so, I I would imagine. Uh, But he's basically saying, I would have taken us straight there, but one of you guys is a bit of a wild eye. We've got a mole. Yeah, we got a we got a bad guy. Look, I'm trying to shake the mole out. I'm not an idiot or crazy. I'm trying to find the mole. We all know there's nothing 150 miles that way. We're not stupid, all right. And I'll be honest, I think it's Mickey. I don't know. I haven't liked the way that guy's looking at me the whole time. I don't. I don't trust him. Why did we bring him? I mean, that's what I keep coming back to. Why is he here? We're in a cave, right? (laughs) Yeah, Mickey, we're in a cave. Fred really didn't have a choice. If he called off the expedition, Lassiter would claim he had lied because he feared the others were plotting to double-cross the company. 
and Fred would get the blame, and Lassiter would look fine. Fred agreed to give Lassiter a second chance. Okay. As they were going to sleep that night, Lassiter yelled out and asked if Fred remembered the figures of the bearings he had taken on the mountain when he was scribbling in there. Uh-huh. Fred told Lassiter he had written them in his own notebook. Lassiter replied, quote, I can't find it. That's a darn nuisance, for it means I shall have to go out again tomorrow and take the reading again. <laughs> he lost his book or whatever. Well, no, it's possible he wrote it with the invisible ink pen. True. They now had been traveling for a month. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. The Thornycroft was seriously in bad shape. They stopped back at the camp. Fred decided to wait for Colson to return before moving out. Though injured, Coot was still determined, determined to be part of the expedition. He started sending telegrams to Sydney, suggesting that the plane could be repaired. So he's in a different location with the right, plane. And, right, but he's optimistic about the chances of all this. Yeah. After he crashed the plane. He got a message back saying a new plane was coming, piloted by a man named Pat Hall. Okay. Then, strangers arrived at the camp. A young white man and two aboriginal guides with five camels. The white man was a 22-year-old German who was working as a dingo scalper. Oh, God. That had to be an occupation at a time? How many people know what a dingo scalper is? Is that something people know? Okay. So is that just someone who sells cheap tickets to the dingo show? <laughs> I'm hoping it's that. Okay, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> they were uh, hated among Bushmen... Uh, as brutal mercenary killers who shot and poisoned dingoes for gov- government bounties. A British explorer described them as permanently smelling of death. But what, I mean, they, were, they would just take the scalp? Yeah. Well, I think to prove that they'd killed one. And okay. then get money from the government. Oh, because, right, okay. The dingo so that's, scalper... That's fun. No, why? It just seems like a... Uh... You don't think a dude walking around with a bunch of dog furs is not cool? Well, just the heads, just the scalp. I did it! See? You're welcome. The Nigo scalpers said they were almost out of rations and hoped the expedition would share some of their food. Fred (laughs) agreed to share food if they would join up and let them use the camels. Okay. Quid pro quo. Sure. You get a guy who smells like death, you get some camels. Mm -hmm. No, what's not to love? Colson was now days overdue with the supplies. Just as they started a search and rescue mission, Colson came driving towards them. He said the company had fired him. (laughs) Wait. Hey, guys. Oh, thank God. I don't work here anymore. Huh? What? Hi. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm not not with you guys. I'm actually going past you. Wait, no, why are you going past? We need you. Yeah, I don't work for you. I'm I'm, uh, headed out. Got fired. Check hand. Take Mickey? Oh, no. Uh, I got to go out on my own. I'm an independent contractor now. Anyway, I'll see you guys around. It's Thanks good, for... good to catch up. Good to see you. We're doing good, too. Just yeah. so you know, just so you go off, don't think that you're doing good and we're not. Yeah. Things here are pretty good. Yeah, it looks good. It is good. Yeah. Everyone here is doing good. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, like, you go do you, I'll do me. Don't need you. Coming over here acting like I need you. I don't need you. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Go. I don't give a shit. Who needs you? Okay, I heard. Yep. Fine. We're good. Great. Let's wrap up this. Go. Okay. I need you I'm so much. Off. I may okay, need you. So that's Please what don't I thought. go. I'll pay you that's whatever. What Do you want yeah. dingo heads? I have the 
basically been, part of them. I've been fired. Dude, I'll give Super. you. I'll kill Mickey. We'll eat Mickey. Stay here. No, I love I'm not you, baby. Fucking eat Mickey. Don't leave me. I don't know what the fuck I'm. Everything's cool. Everybody be cool. Colson said there were no trucks or camels coming. Instead, they were sending a plane. Fred was furious and blamed Coot for crashing, obviously. Sure. Colson and Mickey then decided to just leave the group. Okay. Well, you know shit's bad when Mickey's like, I'm better than this. <laughs> Mickey, that's a cliff. I said, like, whatever, I'm better than this. So they sat and waited for the plane. Lasseter was really driving everyone insane. He started, he started singing Mormon hymns incessantly. Uh. All of them to one tune. Is it possible even his hymns are full of shit? Yeah. It's very possible his hymns are all full of shit. So he's just like... He's a hymn provisor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the best way to do it. In my opinion. (laughs) Except for when I did it. Then the new plane arrived with Coot and Hall inside. It was not an impressive plane. And Coot was so injured, he had to be lifted in and out of the cockpit. Hey, I'm a burden. Good news. You're going to have to take care of me now, too. I'm not doing well. <laughs> you fellas say you need a handicapped guy? Well, the wound is not good. Uh, but I wanted to come here and support you guys and get you guys to support me. Yeah. Just go ahead and drag me behind you. I'm going to need a lot of extra attention, though. I'm not the guy I was when I left. I'm really sick now. Coot was very upset. Fred had hired the dingo scalper. Oh, this guy's an asshole. He didn't think the dingo scalper's story held up. There were no... Oh, that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. (laughs) I mean, that would just be the... Well, I got to be honest. I think something's not adding up here. You know what I mean? What's that? Well, I don't know. It just seems like these stories don't make any sense when you yeah, reevaluate them. Thinking the same thing. Like, I'm looking back on every single conversation going, wait, what? I think this whole thing is founded on bullshit. Yeah. That dingo scalper is full of it. What are you talking about? He's what? full of it. Yeah, I don't know why Lasseter, the brilliant mind that he is, hired a pretend dingo scalper. <sighs> Man. Well, you were talking about the dingo scalper, right? Nope. Yeah, good to hear you said yes. Um, so, now I, did I say that, uh, but, 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 uh, so they hired the scalper, right? And, um, and they're sharing their food, so everyone got that, right? All right. Wait, what? Yeah. They're, yeah. So, uh, the reason he didn't think the dingo scalper's story added up is because there were no dingoes around for many miles. I mean, truly an amazing gripe in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Lasseter went up in the plane with Hall to get the lay of the land. Sure. Well, to refresh his memory just from a higher distance. Right. Right. Privately, he told Coot that he'd seen the reef but didn't want to tell anyone because he didn't trust Fred. Oh, so wait, wasn't Fred the one he was saying before he didn't trust someone to? Wait, what? Didn't he say before to someone that, was that, oh, this is who he's, uh, okay, I'm sorry, I get you now. So now he's finally opening up about who he thinks the mole is. Yeah, it's the guy he told he thought there was a mole. 
That's what I mean. So wait, that is what he did. He was talking to Fred before, and he's like, I think someone's full of shit. Fred was like, okay, whatever. And now he's like away, and he's like, boy, that Fred's the mole I was talking to Fred about. (laughs) Yeah. This dude is playing on multiple levels of dementia. It's like fucking three-level chess shit. So why did he... This is how you know he's full of it. No, we don't know he's full of it. This he has be. to be. He wouldn't have a conversation with Fred about thinking someone's a problem. Unless, what if Fred. it's real? What if he doesn't trust Fred for a reason? But then why would he tell Fred that there's a problem? Get inside of his fucking brain. No, you're not inside of his brain. <laughs> he told the group that they needed to travel 150 miles south, which was weird because the plane had only flown 80 miles south, and That'll there's no fine. way he could have seen 150 miles away. That'll be fine. So they started south. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they kept having to stop to repair the Thornycroft. 150 miles south, they reached uh, and climbed to the top of a sand dune. Okay. Beyond it, the terrain was completely broken and went down uh, several feet. They would never get the Thornycroft through, and there was no sign of a reef. Fred told Lassiter to confess to being a fraud. Oh, my God. Lassiter admitted he had never seen this country before, but his instinct uh, was that the, close, that the reef was close to Peterman Ranges, which was 500 miles away. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and Fred was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And called an end to the expedition. Because it would go on forever. Yeah, it's, You know, it's, it was actually 200 miles that way. Yeah. Now it's 100 miles back. Oh, damn it. I'm all mixed up. I feel like Mickey. Fred told Lassiter the best thing he could do would be to disappear because he'd, been, he'd be facing a fraud charge. Fred said he would hire Johns, the dingo scalper, to continue to search with Lassiter while everyone else went back to Sydney. Okay. If Lassiter wanted to use that opportunity to just, you know, take off and start a new life, that would be totally up to him. Wow. On the way back, the team met a group of Aboriginal uh, men led by stockmen uh, named Billy Buttons. When they spoke to him, it was very obvious that Buttons did not want to meet Johns, who's okay. the dingo scalper. Okay. Now, Fred had uh, drawn up an agreement with Johns. The company would pay Johns five pounds a week for two months to continue the search for the reef with his Aboriginal guides and camels following Lassiter's guidance. But the Aboriginal guides took off because they could do math. <laughs> and they were like, uh, two white guys, two camels with supplies on them. That'd be two mm, Aboriginal guys walking. And we in. are fucking out of here. No, thanks, guys. Good luck, though. It sounds like you guys are really close to something awesome here. Before the two groups went their separate ways... Fred gave Lassiter his compass, watch, and revolver. (laughs) Get lost and shoot yourself. Okay, so he's just sending him off like, here you go, take these three things. Fred watched Lassiter and Johns until they were out of sight and then turned around and said, quote, that's the end of my millions. Just then... Was he being sarcastic? I think so. Feels like he must be. Yeah. Just then, Coulson arrived with fresh mail from Sydney. Um, It turns out Lassiter had not sent a letter to his wife like everyone believed he had. 
Turns out he sent word to Sydney that he had found the reef. Oh my God. Colson was amazed that nobody else in the team knew. Oh my God. Great news, huh? It was Where already- is it? Let's have a look at it. I hear it's amazing. Everything he says in the letter is unbelievable. I can't wait to see the mermaids. <laughs> I know he drew pictures. I'm pretty pumped up. <laughs> Why are you guys looking at me funny? What's going on? Did you guys find Where's Lassiter? Where's all the money? Where's the blowjob tree? Oh, please, God, tell me there's a blowjob tree. I am the blowjob tree. Oh, there is a blowjob tree. Oh, thank God there's a blowjob tree, because I... Come over here and suck my dick. Wait, 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 wait. Once you speak wait, the name wait, of the no, blowjob tree, with you, in a minute. you have to make the tree come. Jesus Christ, the blowjob tree's loud. He didn't say which one. I just assumed it was a tree that sucked my... I... But I have to blowjob the tree? Things are different out here. Get your lips on the blowjob tree. Human. (laughs) At least he's not crazy. (laughs) So, So everyone in Alice Springs thinks he's found the gold. Fred then suspected that the company in Sydney was actually manipulating the share prices. Oh, shit. Everything moved. Um, so he thinks it's not that Lassiter sent a letter. He thinks that they... They wrote an in invisible ink. Right. Yeah. So they made it back to Alice Springs on August 28th after two months in the outback. Oh, my God. Fred's report of Lassiter's fraud reached the company, so they fired Fred. Uh, so, boy, this is a story we all know. <laughs> <laughs> And they put Coot in charge. Coot. And Coot. Well, thank God. I've been waiting for a break besides my thigh. I don't know if I want to be in charge. That's the kind of. I've been feeling weird since that tree made me do things. Well, what did the tree make you do? You mean crash your plane, Coot? I don't feel like the man I used to feel like. Oh, you found the blowjob tree, did you? Yeah, my mouth been degraded. Oh, you didn't know you had to blow it and it was thorny, did you? Well, that's the kind of gusto we're looking for here. If I could be honest, I like it and I miss it. We get that a lot, Coot. It's a good tree. Well... Look, all I can tell you is the tree's not looking to settle down, okay? So whatever feelings you have, I would move on. To the tree, it's nothing more than another idiot sucking his dick. Okay. Okay? Anyway, we've got a job for you. We think you're going to be great at it. Um... So Coot made plans to catch up with Lassiter. Coot would fly out, and Taylor would go by camel. Who's flying? Coot's flying. Well, that's not good. And Taylor is going to go by camel, and, and then they'd meet up at a, a camp at... Well, I don't want to say that. Sure. That's but, the spirit. Let's just say there's three U's and an L and an R. We don't need to fucking sound it out. Uller. Uluru. Whatever. 
totally what you wanted to avoid. <laughs> Taylor uh, took off first because obviously camel take longer than a plane or should uh, take longer. Not necessarily in this world, Dave. Coot went to Hermansburg Mission to hire Aboriginal guides, and he stayed overnight. And he went back to Alice Springs the next day. He discovered the locals had sent out search parties for him, assuming that he'd crashed his plane. Right. Well, they... so that they announce those as soon as he takes off. All right, he's up. And search party, go. Let's go. Let's find him, guys. He's out there somewhere, guys. We're 100%, guys. Look for him now. You see what he's flying and Go find that. It'll be out there somewhere. After two weeks, Coot took off for Aluru or whatever. As Coot landed, his propeller caught a branch and shattered. Damn thing. Now he was stranded and the camel party was nowhere to be seen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Eight days later, his water ran out. Oh boy. He made for a water hole that he'd seen earlier, but by the time he got there, it had dried up. So he started scooping mud into his mouth. <laughs> Turns out this does not work. <laughs> uh. Now that night, as he was laying there, he saw uh, cooking fires, and he hid, not wanting to be killed by Aboriginal people. Okay. In the morning, he realized the campfire was from his camel party. <laughs> oh, that's a tough thing. Oh, it was you guys. I was down there eating mud and sleeping. I wasn't eating mud. <laughs> I didn't suck that tree either. None, none of that shit. Sorry, you saying you ate mud and didn't suck a tree? Yeah. Hi. Hey, that's how a good way to start a conversation. What you said's crazy. It's just how we greet each other out here in the what, bush. What, that I ate mud all night and didn't truck a suck a tree's dick? That's, that's how we do it. Okay, morning. Out here. Well, we're here too. Hungry or you fill up on mud? I use some water. Do you have any juice or water or anything that's not mud? Yeah, no, we got water. Oh, because out here we drink a lot of mud. <laughs> just all night just eating mud. Oh, this is the safe decision. Good call. So the camel party had not got, had a great time either. They had to wait two weeks because of thunderstorms. Then they got lost. Well, then it, camel party isn't the right name for their expedition. <laughs> it took uh, a month instead of two weeks. Okay. So Taylor fixed the plane propeller, and Coot flew back to Alice Coot Springs. Coot shouldn't be flying any longer. He's the pilot, man. No, Plus, anywhere where there's trees, he should not be flying. He's also in charge. That's great. Good. Flew so, the coop. So he flies back to Alice Springs uh, for supplies. When he took off... <laughs> what? What? Tell me he's not hitting trees on the way up, at least before it was on the down. No, but the plane caused a dust devil, which swept through the camp, spreading embers from the campfire, which burned the entire campsite. Quite an exit, though, huh? (laughs) And this left the band with nothing but the clothes they were wearing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Coot landed in Alice Springs to find everybody in a panic. Search parties had been sent out to look for him. Why? I just left them. They were fine. Because <laughs> they thought he'd crash because he yeah, was way but, overdue. But now he's calling off search parties for men who actually need search they parties. They do need a search party. <laughs> and then Coot uh, 
He blamed the camel party for being late, not his crashing of the plane. Also, I didn't eat mud. So, no. I did taste that tree, though. Coop. Look, 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 it's Lassiter in a tree suit, okay? We didn't want to tell you. And I mean taste. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, we're very clear. Super. Like the way only a man... Okay. ...really tastes the tree. And when they Coop, fit it, and when they no, finish, stop. It's like a porno. Coop, no. You were just stopping. All over my face. No. <laughs> which has a moisturizer right, on your skin, no. which is good. Not, it's just nice. <laughs> the company directors then fired Coot. On what grounds? <laughs> Lord, give the man a shot. When Taylor and the camel party arrived, Taylor learned he was the new leader of the expedition. <laughs> oh, good. Now, Fred went back to Sydney and told the directors Lassiter was a con man who no one would ever see again. And the director's very quiet. And Wood said, quote, Well, we have heard Fred's report. That's what we came here for. Meeting adjourned. And the meeting was over. And Fred walked out to the lift. And as he stood there waiting for it, two board members approached him. And one put a fist up to Fred's face and said, quote, You and Coulson won't ever get that reef. We all know about you two. You think now you have got everybody on the, out on the road and Lasseter discredited? You two will go out and find the reef? Oh, uh, no. But we're sticking with Lasseter, and we hope when you two try and double-cross up us that you'll perish of thirst. <laughs> <sighs> so you're just like, yeah, you got me. Good luck, guys. Good luck with everything, truly. Two months later... John's arrived back in Alice Springs alone. Mm -hmm. He had a strange story. Oh, boy. John said that he and Lassiter had traveled into the mountains and set up camp. Uh And Lassiter insisted on going out alone and came back after a few days with bags of gold rocks. Sure, sure. Claiming he'd found his reef. Mm -hmm. And when John's asked to see the gold... Well, you can't see it with human eyes. It's invisible gold. Lassiter yelled that it was, quote, none of his business. Okay. Who, who, <laughs> who wants to travel with this guy anymore? Why are you near him? Let me see it. No, you can't see it. Why do you keep asking to see it? If you keep asking to see it, you're never going to see it, which, by the way, you're never going to see. Sick of him. See the gold. I found it, okay? It's real. Ugh. Why does everyone ask for results? Why can't they just believe the process? They argued and Lassiter threw his steel dinner plate at John's and challenged him to a fist fight. Come on, you! John's then pulled his revolver. Well, let's not do this. Lassiter lunged at him and they fought for control of the gun. 
Lassiter got it away from Johns, and after a standoff, they agreed to let bygones be bygones. Okay, I think in however many times we've done this and we've heard a scenario like this, there's never been a time where two men have been like, all right, sorry about that. I really apologize. We just, what were we thinking? <laughs> Listen to us. I'm going to kill you. John's returned. The, their, their agreement was John's will return to La, uh, Alice Springs for fresh supplies alone, and Lassiter gave him letters to give to the government resident in town. Okay. So after they uh, split up, John opened and read the letters. There were two letters, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And the first, Lassiter said he had found the reef and staked out a claim and that he wanted Johns to return with fresh camels and supplies. Okay. And supplies. In the second letter, which was for the chief of police, <laughs> he demanded Johns be put under arrest and jailed. Oh, my God. John spent a fortnight at Hermansburg Mission before wandering into Alice Springs. Word quickly spread that Paul Johns had murdered Harold Lassiter. Now, it didn't help that the pastor at Hermansburg Mission reported that in the winter of 1930, Paul Johns had come urgently looking to buy camels. This is way before, Mm -hmm. right? When asked why he needed them, he said that a gold exploration company had formed in Sydney and they were sending out an expedition (laughs) in a big truck. And he knew the truck wouldn't last long and they would need camels. Quote, So, I'm going out there to meet the expedition so that when they are stuck, they will hire me. And that's exactly (laughs) what had happened. (laughs) Holy shit. And now the company had a new problem. They had Lassiter's coordinates... For the reef, locked away in a bank vault, but they couldn't get to them until Lassiter was pronounced dead. It, so they needed a body. Mm, that's never a good statement on this podcast. They sent a plane to search the last place Lassiter was seen. Who are they going to? Who's the pilot? Well, it doesn't matter. But the plane went missing. Okay. Well, then I think we know who. After weeks, the pilots were found starving and dehydrated, having... All we have is mud! (laughs) Sweet, watery mud. For some reason, we're still craving water. It's the mud makes you crave it. Somehow, they had missed the location completely and kept flying and run out of fuel. Well... Bob Buck, Bob Buck, an Australian bushman, was put in charge of the search for Lassiter's body. After months... He claimed he found Lassiter dead in a shallow grave. Mm-hmm. He brought back dentures and some letters he had found on the body. Later he went back. Later he went back and found what seemed to be Lassiter's diary. He repeated Lassiter's claims that he had found his reef. But this diary didn't match the diary everyone on the expedition had seen Lassiter writing in. Or he, reading from. Or any, anything. Yeah. People suspected it was a forgery by the AW president to confirm Lassiter's death and give the company access to the bank vault. When Bob Buck was asked to give a sworn statement, he was genuinely frightened to put his hand on the Bible. <laughs> well, that's not, the whole thing. You've got to be ready for that lie. You know it's coming. You're going to be like, boom. You can't be like, er, wait, er, is God really? Okay, yeah. Mm. Uh, No. Final answer, yes. Final. On the stand, he said, quote, I could not swear whether the skeleton was a white or black man. 
It is hard to tell. You look at a skeleton. What does he think? He can't lie. What does he think, I think, is the full question. He... Somehow he managed, though, to satisfy the bank that Lassiter was dead, and the A.W. president got his hands on the envelope in the vault. Here we go. Time for the big reveal. What does the Invisible Ink say? Find out on the season finale of Lassiter. It was a set of completely meaningless numbers. (laughs) Was it not an Invisible Ink? I really think you pour something on it to make okay. it. It's just a, I think it's just a chemical reaction of some sort. Oh, I'm still obsessed. Um, okay, so it's a series of numbers. That's not very helpful. Fred was convinced Lassiter made it out of the desert. He believed Lassiter had crossed into Western Australia and from there, from there escaped to America. You can't, you shouldn't know. First of all, just to put this in modern context, <laughs> no one should be escaping to America. <laughs> In 1955, he said that Mormons in Australia told him Lassiter was a pastor in Salt Lake City. There were many other Lassiter sightings over the years. In 1957, an American broadcaster traveled to Alice Springs with a TV crew to search for Lassiter's body. The team located what they believed to be Lassiter's grave and unearthed a skeleton. When the program was it a white man skeleton? <laughs> When the program's producer and production manager delivered the remains to the police station in Alice Springs, they were arrested for desecration of a grave. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out Lassiter wore dentures and this skull had all of its teeth. So they just dug up a fucking grave. Well, yeah, you really, you genuinely, I mean, you have to be pretty sure. I think that's the rule we have with digging up bodies from graves. You can't just be like, sort of like, was this the one you saw? Is this it? What about this one? We got a bunch of the truck. What are you guys freaking out about? Well, let's get to the bottom of this. Oh, man, there was a fresh one. Woo! So that wasn't him, but then we brought that one along, too. And then we blew a tree. That's going to be a different hey, story. Ba, 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 ba. That's a different story. ba. <laughs> We got a little lost, and um, we blew a tire near a tree. And then we did blow a tree. Then we blew a tree. Rock hard. Yeah. For a tree. (laughs) For a tree, rock hard. Because it's made of wood. (sighs) That's what I'm saying. There There are still people who believe that Lassiter's Reef is out there. Since the 1930s, dozens of expeditions, dozens of expeditions have tried and failed to retrace Lassiter's footsteps. In 2011, well-known Australian entrepreneur Dick Smith... I can only imagine. I didn't look him up, but just his name is enough. Why? He sounds like a fucking idiot. He conducted his own search using a map he'd bought for $1,500 on eBay. From account Mickey. The founder of the, the, founder of the Darwin Beer Can Regatta. What the fuck is that? Solid head shakes. People are affirmatively shaking their heads like, 
Yeah, and what of it? Deal with it. <laughs> Do not mock it. Uh, claimed that in 2007, he knew the location and was preparing to start mining operations there. But the most persistent researcher, sorry, persistent searcher, has been Bob Lasseter, who was only five years old when his father left for Central Australia. Oh, boy. Now in his mid-90s, Bob has taken part in more than 30 expeditions to the desert (laughs) since 1966, is convinced that his father's reef is out there somewhere. So he means love. So it turns out it has the saddest ending of all. <laughs> just literally, there should just be a chapter in all basic psychology books about what it's like to lose your father. Laceritis. Yeah. <laughs> No, where your dad guy. leaves and then you're searching for his love or what he was searching for. Just fucking amazing. 90 years old. It is terrible. I mean, you may as well search for the blowjob tree. Did we, did we find the reef yet that my dad looked for? God. But it was all he... But so if it's not there, then he's a liar. And no... No, because then my life would. No, 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 no. No, say it. No, no. Say it out loud. There's a reef there. There's a reef there. It's of gold. It's of gold. Say it. Yeah, close the door. Leave me alone. I need to have a reef out. <sighs> I guess how is the question? I still don't know how. People. Because people... Go crazy for gold. Yeah, they do go crazy for gold, but even... Then so unsubstantiated. Just a rock we've decided should be worth something. I mean, it really isn't fucking shit, except we're all like, that should be worth money. It's just really a rock. It's a shiny rock. That's it. We've just decided. It's the stupidest thing ever. Well, we can keep pulling this thread all night, man. I mean, the fucking government and the money, the Illuminati, it's like all over the shit, dude. All over the shit, dude. Fucking this shit goes all the way to the top, bro. Like, if you think we're not all technically looking for Lasseter's gold, then you're fucking living under an umbrella on the beach, just like, fuck, let me just surf. When the rest of us are out there like, shit, dude, we gotta get our shit together. No, I... I'm fucking which kind of world do you want to live in, dude? You want to take the red pill or the blue, dude? Morpheus has his fucking hand open. Me, I forget what the color exactly means, but I take the one that says, wake the fuck up. Wake up in the goo, right? Learn karate through a fucking microchip in your brain. You're the one who's like, dude, I don't want to know about these dudes in leather jackets and shit. Fuck those twins. No way. It's fucking saying, dude. It's like, Tell that story today. It's still the same shit, dude. <laughs> Dave's jet lagged from me. Um, <laughs> I guess that's our takeaway. <laughs> uh, we want to thank you guys so much for coming out. Truly, we appreciate the fuck out of it. Yeah. Um, If you're somebody who wanted to meet and greet with us, 
Stay inside here after the show. No, it's the, the VIP people. The, yeah, the VIP, yeah, yeah. Right, the meet and greet VIP people, yeah. yep. I thought sure. you just said if you're someone who wants to. No, not what I said, no. I then we not. get in trouble. Everybody stay we here. We'll be back in five minutes to hang out. Uh, no, yeah, if you're uh, one of the meet and greet VIP people, stick around. Everybody else, get the fuck out. But truly, get thank you so out. much. We really appreciate it, guys. We love you. Thank you. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.